That's the one thing that I will want for this Nostr network to always have is for the users to have the power right. on and, and the choice to, yep. ma- to, to make these decisions. If you bake everything into the relays and you make them smarter than, than what they should be, you're giving your power away. In this episode, I had the opportunity to host Ricardo and Anton, the developers behind NoStream. You may know Ricardo by his nickname, Camary. He's very active on Nostr. We talk about the history of the project, a short purple pilling story, the basics of paid relays, the concepts of federation among relays, philosophies around what relays should serve and how they should evolve, some details around the economics of running relays, and their thinking around how to promote choice in payments on NoStream. This was a fun one for me since there's so much to learn in the Nostra ecosystem, and these guys are building one of the OG projects in the space. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. Yeah, well, thank you for having us. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's nice to actually uh, get to talk to you. I saw you're very active on uh, Nostra, so it's been cool to interact with you on there and now and now in a more... Uh, kind of uh, a better setting like this. Yeah. Likewise. And, and one of the questions, actually, I solicited a bunch of questions from people who are interested to hear. And one of the questions was people are asking, how can you be so active on Noster and still be you know, building this great tool and relay and operating the relay? Like, how do you get it all done? Well, we don't actually code all day. I mean, <laughs> we, we take breaks. Um, sometimes we, we feel bad about it. And uh, I mean, we could go on a two day or three days um, straight where we're not really coding or anything. But yeah, I mean, I guess the way we do it is that when we get to coding, we really focus on what we're doing. And I, I do close like um, Damas client, which is the one that I'm using the most right mm-hmm. now. Um, I close that down. I put my phone down because, you know, the, the moment I get a notification, I'm out yeah. of my <laughs> Zen mode mm-hmm. uh, and I need to get back to it. So uh, yeah, I can make the headspace as well to actually get into coding. And it usually um, you, you get more done once you're focused than trying to work all day. That's really not going to work. I mean, I think we're going to burn out if we do it. Right. Um, yeah. And so is... Is your I, I didn't get the whole set of relationship here, but I know Ricardo, you go by Camary, right? That's like yep. a pseudonym or like, it's the the nickname that I've been using for years. Uh, it's so long. Um, it actually comes from my name. Um, so the CA is for uh, for the first two letters of Cabral, the ME for Mejí, and then uh, the first two letters of Ricardo R I Camary. That's where it comes from. Oh, got it. Um, yeah, I'm not really anonymous by any means. Like I'm a public persona. If you, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then how did, is, I heard a little bit of like your background. I think I heard on the Nostrovia podcast, uh, you were talking about how you got into developing NoStream, I think about a year ago, was it? Um, actually, it was earlier than that. Because at the beginning, you know, I, I actually didn't code NoStream for some, for it to be public. Mm. It, it was something that I was going to use uh, for myself. And then I, I thought that, okay, I actually want this to to be the easiest relay that anyone could use, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I actually turned around. And I think that's when I started. Not uh, it Actually, it, it was not called Nostream back then. It was called Nostr TS Relay mm-hmm. because it was heavily um, influenced by the existing Nostr RS Relay, which is the ROS Relay that most mm-hmm. people were using at the time. And they still are. If you look at the Nostr.watch website, you'll see that it's the, the, the one of the most popular ones. Um, and I think that, that may change. There's uh, new players now in the field. Mm-hmm. There's stir fry. But going back to the beginning, yeah, um, I did start a bit earlier. I wasn't just um, uh, coding relays. I was also coding like utilities, um, adding some features to Brandley, which was like one of the very first clients, if not the first. Um, 
so yeah, so it, it wasn't just relays at the beginning. It was more than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how did you guys get connected? Or I assume, I assume like Nostream is the two of you now, or is that? Yeah, it's it's the two of us. Um, Anton, I don't know. Maybe you want to yeah, say Anton, a couple of things on how we met each other. Yeah. No, I was I was purple pilled by Ricardo at work. Uh, he and and I'm a I'm a recent addition to this ecosystem. But in December, uh, Ricardo kind of appointed me to Nostra, and I was like, oh, this you know looks interesting. It was a to do for me to go and check it out. And he sent me his pub key, and it was kind of mm -hmm. sitting in my to dos for a while. And uh, I'm actually in between jobs now, so I, I had a lot of time, and I was like, what what can I do that's useful right now while I'm kind of looking for the next gig and over the holidays, it's funny because I was thinking about what's the best thing that I can work on and contribute towards. And it, it, the centralized systems came out as one of the things and then like security and privacy uh, beyond that. And so Nostra kind of fell like right into my lap and I was like, this is perfect. And I, I saw what Ricardo was working on when I actually started poking around. I created a a key pair and started looking at what's going on and and saw that he's working on a relay and i thought you know what a great opportunity to help build something that's that's empowering this new decentralized system and so he kind of took me under his wing and showed me mm -hmm. this new you know promised land this new world and i i became pretty obsessed with nostra very quickly so mm -hmm. most of my days now i'm doing i'm trying to figure out i'm either building something or trying to figure out how to improve what we have going and keep and keep it rolling and kind of right. you know purple pilling people and, and were you coming at this from you mentioned kind of decentralized technologies have you worked on other decentralized technologies or has this kind of been a, a passion that you followed or do you come from the security privacy space or where's where sort of your yeah your a bit of both yeah like i i used to be the head of security at, at Leiden, um where, oh, okay. where ricardo uh works still yeah. and um i've been in the in the space for a while, I think I started like end of 2016. Uh, I, I worked for Vitalik's dad. He had this like company. Mm. And so that's kind of, that was the connection. I was aware <laughs> of Bitcoin, but that pushed me into like Ethereum. And then I spent a lot of time learning how to, you know, code smart contracts. And that got me interested in security more because I realized very quickly that, you know, security, it was already a part of what my interest said, but it made me really dive deeper on things like asymmetric cryptography and how to secure your, your assets. And since then, I've been a huge fan of, of the, the crypto space and, uh, you know, especially Bitcoin and, and, and Lightning and now Noster. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I've been I've been in the, in the space for a while and I've kind of been looming on the edge of like it was a, contributing to open source and kind of contributing more directly to the protocols was on my list of to do's for, for a while. And now I'm finally doing it, which feels pretty good. So I want to keep that rolling and figure out more ways and maybe contribute, you know, to lightning and Bitcoin more directly as well. Cause I feel like we need to decentralize everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the things. Yeah. So did you guys get into, you met at Ledin? did you get into, you got into Bitcoin before you got into Ledin? Was Ledin kind of like a, uh, a, a natural employment opportunity around an ecosystem you're already kind of familiar with and comfortable with? Yeah. So for me, um, I learned about Bitcoin from my uh, previous uh, engineering manager. Um, and then he, he taught me all about it. And after that, one of the things that we talked about in our one-on-ones was like, hey, if you ever go work for a, a Bitcoin company, 
um, take me with you. Like, mm. yeah. And that's the, that's that's what happened. So he joined Latin, and and then he told me, hey, this company is a real deal. So um, after a few months, because I, I I knew he was like in the honeymoon phase or something. I didn't. Right. I wanted to wait. <laughs> and I waited just uh, just long enough for me to feel comfortable that he was telling me the truth. I, I trusted him, but at the same time, you know, I had my my own uh, trust issues, I guess. <laughs> and then um, eventually, I did apply. I joined, um, and I've been there ever since. But yeah, I, initially, you know, I, I I got into Bitcoin, and I also uh, got into crypto as well. It wasn't just Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But then over time, like I got rug pull. I guess. Every, some people need to go through this to actually understand <laughs> yeah. the value of Bitcoin. Yeah, same, same, same here. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, yeah. a common common story that you sort of need. You know, everybody learns about Bitcoin and then learns about all these other things. And you're like, oh well, look at all this stuff that can be done. Yeah. shouldn't we go do all these things? And then you're like, oh, actually, some of yeah, these principles, <laughs> some yeah. of these foundational things matter more. Yeah, I'm happy to say that I sold the last Ethereum that I had. <laughs> I got rid of it. <laughs> So, so we're here today a lot. A lot of what I wanted to cover, and one of the, the reasons I wanted to reach out was to really understand more about relays, and specifically about paid relays, because I have not done enough exploration around around like the relay ecosystem. Like I'm aware of Eden because it's I think you know one of the biggest, uh, but I don't know enough about sort of how it all how it all works and what are the trade offs. So that's the kind of stuff that sort of brings me. And then I'm hoping that. Um, I can learn enough about a paid relay that I could make a tutorial for how people can sign up for paid relays and how they can incorporate them into their usage of Nostr. Yeah, for sure. I think um, it's better if we start why we ended up with paid relays in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the obvious thing will be, okay, yeah, relays need to stay alive. Like uh, you need you need maybe a business model or you, you, you need a way for you to cover the costs. Yep. Initially, when the network is so small and there's not a lot of people, could probably get away with running a relay on like five bucks a month maybe you're running it on a raspberry pi and there's not that many people using it but as uh things have been uh you know speeding up and, and growing uh you ask the question how is how is this going to scale not not mm-hmm. just like um in the size of the network or the users but the relays themselves can they cope with the traffic right. um so the first thing that actually happened was not even um uh, was not because of this was not because of the network effect um, we, we, for a long time, the network was just bootstrapped by people and it still is. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the relays are actually free today, mm-hmm. um, by people that are putting in their time and their own money to run a relay and to make it available for other people to use. But long-term, we all know that it's not viable. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing that pushed me over the edge and actually implement this paid relay thing was, um, spammers. So... Mm-hmm. The moment you start seeing uh, people coming in, um, out of I don't know maybe ten thousand people, there will be one spammer among them, and that right. person will try to ruin the fun for everyone else. I, I'm sure you're aware of the um, this phrase. Well, I can't remember the phrase right now, but the point is, if you have access to a system to to get the most of it, you will probably want to use it until you know you are using it at capacity. You're basically doing this and then you're leaving nothing for everyone else. Also oh, like tragedy this is of basically the commons. What's, exactly the tragedy like, yeah. of the commons. So yeah. this is exactly what's going to play out for Nostr if it doesn't find a way mm-hmm. to stop um, not bad actors, but let's just say um, if you think that information needs to flow freely mm-hmm. from anyone to anyone, then I think 
um, that's a mistake to think about it that way because information can also be um, can also come with like an, a negative impact on the other end. Mm -hmm. If you're free to um, send me mail and like send uh, I don't know fill my mailbox, I won't be able to see the the the, the mail that I actually care about. Right. So the, there is a there must be a cost involved. Now the problem is um, how do you ensure um, that every any, anyone that can send you spam sorry anyone that can send you a message uh, has to pay this cost keep it small mm -hmm. easy to to pay right that's the that's the thing we we now have the lightning network and that's how we can make it work before you had to go through i don't know uh, your payment process like stripe or mm -hmm. something like and that that will be the friction will be too high probably um, right. and it doesn't it, it also doesn't speak to the to the uh, to the bitcoiners as well because you know, why would I go to the fiat world when we are already in a world where it's decentralized? Like we can't depend on anything that is centralized for this to even grow. And that's where, you know, we basically Noster was good on its own and it's completely independent from Bitcoin and the Lightning Network. But the moment you add the two, you get this new feature, this this new, uh, I like to call it like an energy shield, mm -hmm. which it sounds pretty cool, yeah. um, which is what, paid relays are surrounded with like they have this this thing around them that doesn't let and of course you know if you're a spammer you can pay the relay you can get in and start posting but the moment you're caught and you will be caught mm -hmm. um that's it you lost your admission fee and maybe in the next time you know you have to pay more um so so is there is there a mechanism you have in mind then for how somebody's reputation could get marked or adjudicated by people and then cut out? Or is that sort of up to the relay operator to decide or to sort of have a rubric for how that would work? Yeah, so I think it's really early to tell like what algorithm we'll use for catching spam. Right now it's pretty manual. I know I've had, I've been asked questions um, on what exactly is spam. Um, everyone thinks there's like a, uh, everyone has their own definition of, yep. of what spam is. I think if you're send, I think some spam is pretty obvious. Like if you're sending the same link over and over and over, um, or you're replying to every single post that uh, any user sends, um, th that's clearly spam, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's the one that we've been targeting. Um, the the way that I've uh, seen it working is like people just report it. They just say, oh, I, this user is spamming on your pay, on, on your paid relay, and it's really easy to act on it. We just go right now. It's pretty manual. We go on the database. Um, you, usually, um, if it's paid, we just you know, it doesn't matter. Like we just you violated the terms of service, mm -hmm. which you had to agree on once you paid for the the relay. Um, so we just go in and delete all the messages that you sent, mm -hmm. and we also disable your admission. So you you will have to go through the whole process again. Did that whole NPUB just gets? stopped from ever yeah. submitting again forever that it's gone yeah mm -hmm. and how do you think about the the mechanics of how a relay should kind of graduate from this kind of early day uh to maybe some more advanced versions because i think today you mentioned it's it's a lot of hobbyists right and maybe a raspberry pi and five dollars is enough but if this thing gets bigger there's going to be you know real costs probably already occurring and um and there's probably some uh you know real infrastructure needed to make that work so do these over time become more like centralization points and risk points in that sense or do you think there are ways to 
help help keep it decentralized while helping kind of people pay for those the costs they're going to incur yeah so i think there are ways to keep the the network decentralized and still have still give the choice uh to users to decide you know where they're going to place their messages and still get hurt i mean be hurt um i would say um, one of the things that I thought about is having this concept of federations and not the same federation as like Mastodon uh, federation where uh, you, you, actually, you, you have to agree with this other uh, server to actually connect with them. And then if they post something that you don't like, you disconnect. Um, in, in a way, every relay operator has their own choice, right? But if you join a federation, the federation will probably have their own terms. Mm -hmm. I and mean, if you join the federation, you're accepting those terms and there is like no question about it, what's allowed and what's not allowed. Mm -hmm. And the way that it will work is obviously it will be load balanced across all the nodes in the federation. And if there is any payment, which there, there should be, then it will be distributed kind of like, uh, uh, mining, like a mining pools, pool. Right? Yeah. Okay. So based on how many, how much traffic you are serving, mm -hmm. then how, that's how much money is going to get to you. And I think that will be a model that will work and scale. You know, the the other model that I've been thinking about is, um, and we've seen this in ISPs already. Mm -hmm. ISPs have tiers, and most users they only know tier one ISPs. They are like you know your Comcast or mm -hmm. your Bell. Um, you connect to those, but those uh, ISPs they do not connect necessarily directly with each other. Mm -hmm. They go through higher level. Uh, higher tier ISPs. And I think that could be another way to, to keep the network still decentralized. Um, and at the same time, you know, allow it to scale. Because that's the, the main issue, right? Allowing it to scale and at the same time stay decentralized. Right. And, and what does it look like today? I guess we're beyond maybe the $5 Raspberry Pi, but is it gotten to be overwhelming from the kind of scale you're seeing today? I mean, I look at all these these charts and all the, you know, everything's just like a you know vertical wall. And I wonder, like, is it already becoming the kind of thing where a hobbyist will have a hard time participating or is it still accessible to hobbyists to participate? And how would that play out in the Federation world? Well, it depends, right? Um, some relays are private. And I guess as long as you keep it to yourself and friends and family, um, you know, that relay will work for you. Raspberry Pi will do more than fine with that kind of traffic. Um, but the moment you want to turn, you want to go global and you want to offer this relay publicly, I think you have to start thinking about uh, scaling up and scaling um, horizontally as well. Um, so that that's one of the main uh, issues I will say for relay operators is to understand, you know, there are limits to how much you can scale up in a single server. Um, and it, the, the trick will be to balance um, the scaling up and also scaling uh, horizontally so that, you know, it stays uh, cost-effective to actually, uh, you know, run a, a relay network. And the the relay network would have kind of a bunch of the federated, you know, the term you're using is federation of relays. So is do you imagine there's a new type of protocol or agreement phase that happens among them, or is it more, is it loose, or is it more structured, do you think? I think it will be more structured than loose. Um, I do hope that is something that you can join and leave at any point. You're not the same, the same, uh, mantra about like just changing from client to client. Mm -hmm. You should be able to change from federation to federation at, at, you know, at, 
um, obviously, you know, you're taking the user's data with you. So right. it's not that <laughs> you can do it and there is no damage involved. You're obviously disconnecting your users. Um, but you could also be part of two federations. You know, as long as the terms allow it, you, you should be able to join more, more than two federations. Um, in this model, um, obviously, there is a lot of challenges. I don't think it has been well thought out. I think mm -hmm. there's a lot that needs to be discussed. Um, but I do see there will probably be this flexibility built in so that it can grow and it's not hindered by like um, 10 guys or maybe three guys that are like calling the shots on what's going to happen. But right. maybe we come up with a manifesto. This is the, this is what the Federation, um, these are the values of the Federation. These mm -hmm. are the terms. Join us now. Um, and yeah, maybe, maybe that could kick off. Um, I, you know, I'm not Nostradamus. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, pun intended. <laughs> but I, I will say that that's a, that's something that we should try. That's that's a, a way of going forward that needs to be explored. Right. And Anton, are you sort of what's your perspective on on these things? Ricardo's saying is this something that you guys already have a pretty consistent view on, or do you have sort of other models that you like to explore? Or want to? Yeah. Sort of... I mean, I, I've been learning most of this from Ricardo. He's really you know spent a lot of time doing great thinking around this, and and everything he said I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, to it, something that I would add is maybe one one problem that we have is uh, you know efficient syncing of different relays, and that's like not a fully solved problem yet. And I think outside of like figuring out how to scale horizontally. We're also working on ways to figure out like efficient ways to sync up, maybe using like bloom filters. That's one thing we've been talking about, Merkle trees. So you can easily basically figure out what the set of events that you don't have is and only sync those. Cause right now mm -hmm. we have a lot of repetition and like duplication. Uh, so in terms of like the, the data that's flowing through the system, there's a lot of inefficiencies and I think that's something that we're going to get better at both on the relay and the client side. So I think that's like a really interesting thing that we need to work mm -hmm. on and, and figure out. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think like having this flexibility of being able to like join different federations or be a member of multiple ones to kind of combine our powers to, to mm -hmm. scale. I think that's like, that's like a, a really important thing we need to figure out because even now, uh, and we're not, we don't have that many users. There's already like issues with like keeping up with, with the growth. Right. So we're actually tonight, we're going to add more relays to, to our setup, mm. uh, just to deal with, with the influx of people. And, you know, we're working on things like co-locations, like putting it in different regions of the world, just to improve response time. So mm -hmm. we're learning as we go, but I like so far it's, it's going pretty well. So I think it's only going to get better. Right. And the the federation idea, when you talk about how you may do some syncing or bloom filters across the federation, is there a set of, you know, two or three other big relay operators that you're having these discussions with? Or are these things that maybe you're discussing within a, a NIP process? Or, you know, do you think it's kind of protocol layer stuff or stuff that should be sort of experimented with and these higher level federation ideas kind of loosely, and then you figure out if it belongs protocol later. So, so the conversation has been happening in the uh, Nuster in Spanish channel in Telegram. Um, I haven't had a conversation with other big relays. Um, however, um, I think it's it's just too early, right? Uh, we're, we're, we have the idea. We, we, we think how it's going to, yeah, we think we have the idea on how it's gonna work, but not necessarily have started implementing it. I think there are 
uh, things are more high priority right now um, than, than coming up with federations. I think there's going to be a lot of work involved to make that even happen, mm -hmm. um, just to make it automated. Um, I obviously don't want to spend any time whatsoever in uh, maintaining you know, right. a federation. I want it to be self-serve. And, and the same thing that I want for every single relay that it's running out there, it should be self-maintained and the relay operator should, because it takes time. I mean, the mistake will be to think that the only thing that relay operators do is just like put up a relay and start yeah. charging people. That, right. I mean, if you think that's what we're doing, you'll be sort of mistaken. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we're what? always innovating. We're always changing things, tweaking parameters. Um, just recently, we had to tweak some parameters on the Eden relays. Um, just to make them cope with the new traffic that's coming in. Mm -hmm. So we realized that we, we were rate limiting even by the day, but mm -hmm. we were not seeing any rate limits by the day. So we got rid of those. Mm -hmm. and, and, and and now, you know, uh, we, we have less demand uh, memory-wise, like we're using less memory. And those are the kind of things that have kept us, you know, busy uh, yeah. more than anything, just managing... It's taking it's taking a little bit of time away from building, mm -hmm. um, but we also need to learn how to manage this. So it, it works in the end, because um, what so we learned like... today, you know, is things are things that will probably force us to automate, so that in the future we don't have to keep on doing it. Yeah, if you sort of first take the pain of doing it by hand, and then you figure out, oh, we can just automate this piece of it, then you don't prematurely optimize, right? Totally. Yeah. So yeah. so how does how does it work when you're you know you sort of both building this relay and then it sounds like the operation of a relay is much more involved than maybe you know somebody who's not operating relays might think. So are you like 90% of your time is busy with the operation of it and only maybe 10% towards kind of new features and other ecosystem stuff? Well, of the time we dedicate to Noster, I would say maybe maybe 40% is spent on tweaking relays and restarting them and making sure that they're running like I'm always looking at the screen and making sure that mm -hmm. they're running uh, smoothly, um, and then the 60% is building. Uh, mm -hmm. For sure, there's a okay, maybe not that much. Maybe let's say 30. The other uh, 30% working on the relays, 20% supporting other people um, get their relays up, and because we also need to help onboard more users into this ecosystem, um, we can't just like run our own relay and forget about it. Mm -hmm. um, because the part of the growth of Noster is also supporting each other. So the moment I help someone else, that that also someone else will learn how to do it and help somebody else. Um, I'm, I'm actually sometimes just letting support requests, not not an official thing, but like when someone comes into the channel and asks for help, I just don't jump right away and help them. I let other people, you know, yeah. provide the help because I this also needs to be uh, an effort that is like, you know, not the centralized, but I, we need more people to actually yeah. help out. Yeah, it's great to be able to let let people stand up, you know, sort of raise their hand and, and be become leaders in different ways. Um, do, do you do you think that the um, you know with, with NoStream that's the the biggest one that I'm aware of? But are, is there a whole ecosystem of other relay developers that maybe have different opinions about directions, or are there sort of any hot debate issues right now that are happening among people, you know, other people developing relay software? Yeah. So I wouldn't say that they're happening right now, but they've happened over time. Um, one of the most contentious I would say would be adding um, search capability to release, mm. which I think um, in the, the, the protocol doesn't really support it. So whatever is being done today um, is either a brand new NIP that just came out or 
doesn't follow spec and eventually a nip will come out so that other release can implement it. Um, so I will say that will be the, the, the number one thing. And that's that's mostly because we relays don't really look into the content of notes that people are posting. Mm-hmm. We look at the tags, um, we look at the pop keys and all, all, all their fields that come with every single note. Mm-hmm. Um, but not looking, not doing any deep inspection on content. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that we can stay away from looking at content as much as possible. Um, right. Because the, the moment we start caring too much about it, that's the moment where we, you know, relays may start turning their backs on on the principles of the network, which is like censorship resistance. Mm-hmm. So if, if you start caring about the content that people are putting out, then, yeah, things may get a little bit um, out of hand. Right. So you want to be more like an internet router, but you don't want to really care so much about the content. So do you think that caring about the content should be done at some middleware layer, or do you think it should be mostly on clients or how, you know, I I think about things like um, even people discovery feels like it's a challenging thing to do today. And I understand, you know, it has centralization aspects that most people want to avoid, but that's the kind of thing. If you know what content I'm zapping or, you know, or reacting to, um, you could suggest people that I might want to follow, which might help me have a better experience. And so I think we all know the path of why that helps. And there's obviously downsides to it, which we're fully aware of from like existing centralized systems. So like, do these things eventually emerge, but they're not relays instead they live somewhere else or how how do you think about that future? Yeah, I actually prefer that more than building everything on top of relays. So. Um, one of the things that people keep asking, hey, can, can I upload my my images to um, the Nostra Relay? And I think by not baking every single um, requirement that people have or, or use case, we're allowing you know other players to also come into the field and offer their services. Uh, take a look at Nostra.build, for example. Um, mm-hmm. That that's a service that provides. Uh, it lets you upload images and then you can just like share the link on, on Noster and most clients will render that image for you. So what that tells is that relays don't really need to store that information. You know, we're happy right. to store the, the text that you're sending. Um, but then the, the business model for um, what can we call them? Uh, uh, upload media providers. I, I don't sure. know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like a media server, almost media server. Right. Yeah. And you could even use S3. Like you, you, you can, Pick whichever provider you want to use for your um, file needs for your uh, media, and then use it with Nostr. And then what that lets you, what that gives you, is choice. And that's the mm-hmm. one thing that, as you were, you know, uh, speaking about this, that's the one thing that I will want for this uh, Nostr network to always have is for the users to have the power right. on and, and the choice. To, yep. make, to, to make these decisions. If you bake everything into the relays and you make them smarter than, than what they should be, then you're giving them, you're you're giving your power away. That's mm-hmm. what, basically what you're doing. Right. Um, obviously, you know, um, if you still have the ability to send the same information to every single relay, we're still okay. But if you have this one relay that is the only one that indexes your stuff, mm-hmm. um, and you must use that relay because otherwise you don't see a right. part of the network. It's, it's dark for you, then that's where I think we'll have a problem. Um, that's where the network starts um, becoming fraction. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's either if you don't use it, you're, you're, you have like, I don't know, you're limited in a way. Right. Um, right. So those things, they, they need to be part of the protocol eventually. You know, there must be some effort to put those things on the protocol. And then once they are there, then 
release will implement them. Everyone will be able to enjoy these features. And if everyone is able to enjoy them, regardless of the relay behind the scenes, then that's where we win. Mm -hmm. How do you think about the future, though? Because it's like if you if you project out a little bit, you know, there's like big costs in serving, you know, CPU bandwidth, um, you know, in storage. And so presumably, you know, similar to how I think in, you know, in Bitcoin mining, some large players emerged that got real uh, scale advantage to kind of cost of capital and kind of scale of deployment. And it seems like some of those same things could occur here. And I wonder, like, do you see sort of your own mandate or your own interest is you want to fight from that thing happening or you want to help nurture that, usher it into the world in a way that's consistent with the principles that you're outlining? Or how do you sort of see that tension? Yeah, not, not sure, Anthony, if you want to take this one. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard question, I think. And I would go back to what we were talking about, you know, the Federation, but beyond that, the idea of like not siloing the data, because uh, as long as you can find a way to persist the data across different relays and not have a single point of failure in like a big, you know, pretend it's like the relay corp and, and they, they're mm -hmm. running most of the relays and that's what mm -hmm. everyone connects to think like freeing the data and making sure it's open so that we don't uh end up with these single points of failure like i think i think that's that's in simple terms the answer but like we'll see how that pans out because as we start onboarding more people i imagine like some player players might come in and have like a really strong marketing budget and you know all of a sudden this new player is like taking up all the users, but maybe not, you know, because like the, at least for now, I feel like we have pretty well-informed users that are critical thinkers that care about the system being mm -hmm. decentralized and not having the same mistakes we've done in the past um, be repeated. But, uh, you know, along those lines of, of single points of failure, we're also thinking about, you know, the cloud providers we're using to power this stuff. So like uh, right now we're using digital ocean uh, mm -hmm. But we're going to be using other cloud platforms to to eliminate that single point of failure as well. So that, you know, when when AWS goes down or Hetzner goes down or whoever goes down, that doesn't really have as much of an impact on the network. So I think the decentralization um, and kind of focus on removing single points of failure needs to happen on, on all the layers, whether it's like the relay implementation or the, the infrastructure provider or like the the actual like more meta layer of like how relays communicate and, and how people connect to them. Like we have to get all those right. So it'll it'll be a very interesting journey to like get right. all of that right. Uh, but but it's uh, like again, I'm super optimistic. It's looking really great so far. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like you know it has these great base principles that people have like voice and exit. Right, you can always switch to something else, switch to something else at the protocol layer. That it seems like that ideally can always be the case. And if that's the case, then sort of, even if there are centralizing forces, there's still always some resilience that can, you know, you don't get right. sort of and the they same don't have the leverage like, like Twitter does or, yeah. or Facebook does where it's like they, they have all, they're holding all the cards and like, you, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. So you can encourage everybody to be good, good actors and kind of play maybe at thinner, thinner margins of if people are running businesses, they have to run them more efficiently and they have to sort of be, be kind of you know more aligned with these values so i i wonder actually yeah do you, do you see this do you see what you're working on as some sort of a business or more like a community service or a hack project or do you have sort of an opinion about you know do you have sort of um maybe uh your own ideals about where this goes 
I think it's going to be both. I think there's a community component that will always be there, and we always have to cultivate it. Um, but there's also the business side where, obviously, we want to stay – we, we want to be able to cover our, our costs, but mm -hmm. also um, wouldn't it be great, you know, if we were able to also live from this? I yeah. live, breathe, and eat Noster. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm not, uh, not afraid to say it, but um, if I could just um, – uh, do that for a living that would yeah. be nice because right. that would be following one of my passions for sure um i do have a job and i like what i'm doing uh, in my own job uh, just in case you know someone from that <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell um, but yeah i mean uh, wouldn't anyone love you know just dedicate their time to to one of their passions right and yeah. one of the reasons i joined that was because bitcoin became one of my passions and that's yeah. one of the things that i can do um at Leden. Um, so I, I got that covered. Um, I will say, as I was listening uh, to what Anton was saying, I think another uh, point of resiliency for the network is um, the fact that we have many relay implementations. So if one relay implementation catches a cold and, mm -hmm. you know, it's completely down, like someone finds a bug, mm -hmm. and this happened recently on Nostream, but not, mm -hmm. to, not to go too deep in, into <laughs> it, but it, the fact that we have different relay uh, softwares out in mm -hmm. the wild, even different versions, um, that makes us, the, the, the network more resilient. Um, an attacker will have a hard time to bring the whole network down if we don't just use the same kind of relays. So mm -hmm. when when pe people have been asking me, hey, now that I paid uh, Eden, um, do I remove all the other relays? And I'm like, first, I'm not going to be the one telling you to do that. And right. secondly, um, you also have to think about um, you, you're losing part of your censorship resistance by just going with one relay or going only with paid relays. Um, there's so much content on free relays that you will be missing out by doing this. So I will never advocate, you know, for anyone to just like go on paid relays. Mm -hmm. what, what we should do is use the good things from a free relay and the good things from a paid relay and and try to make the best experience for the mm -hmm. user. So, and this is, this is what's happening um, real time with clients. Like Diamonds, for example, is letting you choose um, which clients, sorry, which relays you wanna see the global feed from. Mm -hmm. So this is creating, a, uh, this is allowing users to both be on all the relays that they wanna be, and at the same time, make it pure signal. Like I, on the global feed, I'm only gonna see things from people that, you know, um, put in the work. Right, because that's right. what you're doing when you're paying the admission fee on a relay. So, so, we could talk about the different kind of fees that we've been thinking about as well. Yeah, it, actually, I'd, I'd love to do even just like a, a more basic because I think you're starting to touch on some of the questions that I have. I I have specifically avoided using paid relays because I first want to learn how to do it so that when I do it, I can make a video and show other people also how to do it. So I I'm a bit confused about, and, and you answered my one of my questions on Nostra the other day, which is when it's a paid relay, it means pay to write, but free to read. Is it always the case that it's pay to write, free to read, or are there some that are pay to write, pay to read? Well, if it's a Nostrium relay and they haven't modified the code, then it's free to read and, 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 and you do have to pay to write. Okay. Um, that may not be the case in the future for some relays. Someone may, may turn that off. And, mm -hmm. and the only way for you to actually read from it is also by paying. Um, 
So I can understand the pay to write is a good way to help the relay operator ensure that they're carrying high quality messages, right? High quality notes. Um, yeah. But I'm not sure I understand how that is designed to impact the whole experience of maybe a reader. So if if I'm like if I'm using uh, let's say I'm using Domus and I uh, pay uh, five thousand sets and now I have an Eden write ability, right? then I can write there, but I am still reading from maybe other free ones. So what, what, how is the signal actually generated for me as a reader? Cause I assume my, I assume my, you know, Firehose view of Explorer is just kind of everything. It's still kind of a mess. Cause I have those, you know, messy unpaid relays. So what, what's the right way to think about the topology here? It's a total beginner question, but. Yeah. So I, I think it starts with the user. Like you have the choice to follow who you want to follow. And that's the first part on curating your own feed. So you'll mostly spend time on, on your own, you know, just reading what your follows send you or not you directly, but what they, what they send, what they post. And that will be the first part. And then on, on something like global, um, two things may come into play on a global feed. Um, relays may have, may employ like rate limiting so that, you know, people are not posting too fast or they mm -hmm. may just like capture a snapshot with it, which is what Danos does. Well, the moment you click on, on the uh, global feed, you just get like the most recent, I don't, I don't know if it's 500 or a or hundred, I don't know how many messages there are, but, um, you get a snapshot at the mm -hmm. point in time where you click on the global feed. So it doesn't keep showing you like new messages. It may change in the future. Um, but right now you only see a snapshot. And then um, as you're scrolling, you know, the screen is not going up and down. Right. Um, but the idea is uh, here with the global relay is that you can choose from which relays are gonna be seeing information. And what people have been doing is that they're using um, relays that do not have spam inherently, or that mm -hmm. they have some uh, good ability to block spam, which to this day it has been uh, have been paid relays. Mm -hmm. um, Nostream relays also support um, proof of work, uh, but nobody has been using it. And I think the issue may lie with the fact that clients don't necessarily support it yet. So right. the moment clients start supporting uh, proof of work, then we may add the requirement of some proof of work. Um, the and problem the proof of work, with that you're saying is not you know, sad's proof of work, but you're saying uh, like like mining key mining, mining proof of work. an event. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I guess we could speak a bit on how the mining will work yeah. for an event as well, opposed to mining. Yeah, especially the mining for an event because uh, I think the delegation is not yet really incorporated. If I understand right, is that true? So Nostream has some support for delegation. Um, hmm. You can't do things like delete uh, a message as yet using delegation. Um, I'm not, I got a question the other day. Um, if you, as a, let's see, there's two players when it comes to delegation, there's a delegatee and then there's a delegator. Hmm. Um, and, the, and the delegator is the user that basically dele uh, delegates the ability to post messages to someone else, which is the delegatee, mm -hmm. right? And the delegatee has to have paid the paid relay to be able to post, you know, mm. um, that's the way it works today. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we added anywhere in the code that once the delegatee can pay the messages from the delegator will also be posted. Right. That's something that we need to go back and check because that may be about <laughs> one stream. Right. Again, you know, the, the NEEP 26 delegation happened way before paid relays. 
and mm -hmm. we may have made, missed some use cases, but we'll get back to it and we'll fix it. Uh, but right. the idea is that both will need to pay. Uh, the question is, when someone is using NIP26 delegation, um, what are the rate limits that come into play, right? Is it the mm -hmm. rate limit for the delegator or is it the delegatee? How do we allow um, uh, like a Minds Relay to post thousands of messages for, for all their delegators, which are their users on their platform, mm -hmm. uh, to post without hitting a rate limit you know, and be able to, to communicate all this stuff. So those are questions that, you know, are still up in the air. We, we're going to figure them out and, and try to solve it. Um, but yeah, uh, I think, um, yeah, we, we need more hands, right? <laughs> Coding on Nostream right. and uh, making it better. Well, yeah, what, what's your, what's sort of the, you know, if you think about Nostream, do you want to recruit people to kind of be contributors? And do you imagine that, you know, over time, you'll have just more kind of, voluntary contributors or do you think that you'll bring people into the fold and kind of be more like more more like team members than kind of ad hoc contributors or because it, it seems like there's a lot of you know work in you know both features that you want as well as just operational infrastructure stuff um you know you could imagine a future is very <laughs> you know very large and lots of responsibilities here so we've been letting it happen naturally right like if someone is contributing uh with a high frequency we may bring them as a contributor and uh, and, and have like a closer conversation. Um, if it's someone that you know contributes a one-off and then never comes back, then obviously no. Um, I'm not not trying to make uh, Nostream the the one thing that everyone's contributing because it also adds uh, it takes time away as well. We have to review all those PRs, and mm -hmm. I've been um, the backlog has been growing. Um, anyone that has contributed to Nostream in the last few days can probably mm. attest to that, <laughs> that their PRs are waiting, are waiting a little bit, but um, they're going to be reviewed and we're going to check them out and, and try to merge them as soon as possible. Um, it also requires like some, uh, the contributor to be more active. So like if they just come in and put a PR and they, they leave, you know, right. they may not see their code come in just because we may have some questions about their code or we may need to, we, we ask them for, to make some changes. But the idea is to let it grow nat naturally. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I don't really have like a, I'm not strong about either way. Like having strong contributors and then everyone else, you know, has to wait in line. Not really. Right. Yeah. But, but the things. way the way I joined Ricardo was also like very, very like just like a casual kind of informal. Like I saw what he was doing and it just seemed like a really great thing to work on. Right. To like be part of this new ecosystem and yeah. uh, I just started writing code for it without really any expectations, but mainly because I wanted to learn more about it. And mm -hmm. I was basically trading my contributions for knowledge from Ricardo, you know, he was teaching me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and then I eventually got hooked. And now it's like, now I'm trying to like, you know, take it easy, man, like you're gonna burn <laughs> out at this rate. But uh, uh, right. How do you think about, I mean, we've talked about so many different directions this can go, so many, you know, so many problems to solve, so many features. How do you think about sort of how, where you focus your own time next and then kind of related but separate, how do you get the message out about what you would like people to contribute on or what you hope that maybe as a, as a service it could, could achieve, you know, sort of help get some, get some more focus on the things that you guys as in, you know, you look at it every day, you know, what the problems are maybe more than a casual observer. Is there any way that you communicate that or kind of lay out what you want to achieve? 
And so on the repository, we have uh, lots of feature requests that are coming in from people that uh, basically signaling what they will want to see on Nostream. So that will be, uh, uh, and every time someone asks me for a feature, I also tell them like, hey, put it there. Because, you know, mm -hmm. someone's going to see it and will want to implement it. Um, at the same time, um, if they don't do that, then I, we may forget that this request even happened. So it's a good idea to keep track of um, the feature requests. Um, one thing that I will want to see more is people coming in and contributing uh, more support for the existing NIPs that are coming in. So um, recently, uh, we've been focusing on a few NIPs, but it's just uh, Anton and I. And I think if we have more people uh, pick a NIP that they feel passionate about and they want to implement, then they're more than welcome to implement it on Nostream and you know help the ecosystem also support this feature. Um, and yeah, so so supporting existing NIPs that are coming in into the Nostr uh, protocol, which I don't know, I think we're around 60 NIPs so far. I, I, I lost the count. Um, I used to be really active on every single NIP and commenting and everything, but I can't keep up anymore. I'm leveraging other people's brains is that, to actually that's si get that 60, done. 60 NIPs, is it? 60 now, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and... I'm not, not sure about the exact number, but there's yep. a lot of NIPs coming in. And yeah, right. that, that needs... Uh, so, so I think there, there's a split. There's also going to be the people that um, are not really uh, coding things, but want to improve the existing protocol. So that will happen naturally. And it, it has to be that way. We can't all be builders, right? Mm -hmm. And in a way, you are a builder if you're contributing to the protocol. You're probably contributing to the most core and most important part of the whole, whole ecosystem. Um, but we also need implementations. So all, all these NIPs, uh, they, they need someone to go in and build it. And there should always be an implementation before we merge anything into the protocol because it proves the use case, right? Uh, one thing that I, that we saw a lot um, in the Nostr Telegram group was people coming in and saying, Nostr has this problem, like, and it basically went like this. I just heard about Nostr and it won't work <laughs> because it has this problem. And I'm gonna I'm fix like, Bitcoin. I mean, you've been here five minutes. We've been here for months, right? So, yeah, the, the idea is, um, if you think there is a problem, try to solve it and come up with a solution. Um, we we've heard, we all know some of the problems that Nostr already has, like the direct messages not being private enough. And the reality is, Nostr wasn't built to be private. It was built mm -hmm. to be decentralized. And you 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 may lose some of that uh, privacy. Because you're posted to a public network, mm -hmm. and once you post something on the internet, you don't know where, you're gonna, where it's going to end up. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that we cannot spend time on that. But what I want to say to the privacy-minded people or privacy-focused individuals is if you're passionate about that, um, propose the NIPs that are necessary to make that happen, and mm -hmm. the builders are going to build it. You know, there's, there's a lot of passion that can be uh, turned into, you know, solid, like real code that people can uh, benefit from. Mm -hmm. Do you have any um, any kind of advice when people are thinking about building clients and they want to maybe know something about how to work best with kind of the Relay ecosystem? Do you have advice for maybe a new client developer, how they might be screwing something up or likely to screw something up where you could kind of give them a, a little bit of nudge in the right direction? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the first thing is 
try your client with multiple relays and different kind of software versions. So try with the stir-fry relay, try with the Rust relay, try with Nostream, obviously. I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there, there's a, I think those are the main three that I've seen. So if your client works on all those three, you're pretty much covered when it comes to uh, ensuring that your client works with all of them. Um, and, and yeah, just just try them out and and see how they respond to your requests. Every most relays should work the same way. That should be transparent. But the reality is that not for every single feature, right? Um, so, for example, one thing that Nostream does differently from other uh, relay implementations is that the moment you subscribe to get notes from the relay, it will send you the, all the stored events, if there's any. But if any event comes in at the same time, at the moment that you're getting the stored event, Nostrum will send it to you as well. So even if you requested 100 events, you may get 101 because mm. an event came in at the same time that we were sending you. Uh, sorry, I'm saying events, but to, to keep it simple for uh, the listeners, if a note came in at the same time you were getting notes for a request that your client made, you'll get that note too. It's not gonna wait until we send you all the stored events, oh, sorry, stored notes uh, for you to actually see it. So that's one thing that may um, trip up, I mean, may make a client developer be like, oh, what's happening? Um, but yeah, it's, it's because we saved your subscription in memory and the moment a new event comes in, we are not buffering them. We try to send them as soon as possible so there is no delay in, in the network. If we waited to send you events, then we will have to keep a buffer for every client that is connected to the relay which at times of high congestion, that will just grow up really quickly. And so we're basically doing like a best effort there to get you the events that you need. Mm -hmm. um, you're obviously gonna get that for the subscription that matches. So there shouldn't be any surprises there anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can't think of anything else really. I mean, I think <laughs> try, your, <laughs> try your client with multiple relay softwares and then, and then if it works, then it works. All right. <laughs> Makes sense. And then if, if you were, um, you know, just getting started, so I've actually never run a relay, but I would like to. So I wonder if you have advice to me as like a, a noob potential relay operator, and then maybe I want to play with it as a private relay first. Maybe I want to play with it for backing up or storage for my own notes, or maybe some of my friends notes, but I don't know, maybe I do more over time. I don't know. What, what kind of advice might you have to somebody like me? Well, first, uh, you have to gauge like how technical you are with things. If if you are not super technical and you just want to like get your hands uh, dirty a little bit, um, try a private relay first. Um, that may require the least amount of uh, knowledge when it comes to setting it up. Um, if you want to run a public relay, then um, there's two ways to go about it. Like if you want to tune it so that it works with like a lot of traffic and all that stuff. You better know your way around the terminal. You you better know your way mm -hmm. like around using servers and tuning databases and all that stuff. Um, but also you can run Nostream using Railway, which is almost like clicking a button and then Railway spins that Nostream server for you and the cache and the database. Mm. So it's it's a, it's a it's a lot of things that you don't need to worry about. Mm -hmm. um, that that's a way that will always maintain and will always make sure that you can do that. Right now we have a bug since one of the last versions is uh, one point, version 1.22, um, but we'll try to address it as soon as possible. 
so that you know you can run a relay with just a couple of clicks. Um, but regardless, um, right now it's not maintenance free, so mm -hmm. some knowledge is required. You may need to know SQL or SQL, mm -hmm. uh, depending on how you pronounce it, mm. uh, to actually con uh, connect to database and look at the events, look at the paid uh, invoices and users that are, are signing up to your relay. So there, there's some technical knowledge involved. Make sure you have that before you dive in. Otherwise, you'll be asking a lot of questions and, <laughs> and get frustrated. Right. Do you think yeah. the future... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Anton. Oh, no, I was just going to add that we, we are, it's on a list of things to do to add an interface where you can actually like go and tune up your relay and maybe look and find, you know, events that need to be removed or figure out if someone paid an invoice um, or not. So that, that's something where you definitely want to add so that you don't have to be writing uh, SQL queries and, and kind of looking under the hood. But uh, yeah, we only have so so much time, so that's on a little bit of a back burner right now, but definitely mm -hmm. something we recognize is like something really operators want to see, and you know have a dashboard where you can see what your relay is doing and be able to to fine tune it, interact with it through a GUI rather than having to yeah. uh, use a terminal. It seems like the the more that this is accessible to you know somebody with you know minimal tech skills, the more that people can click a button, spin it up, and more decentralization of, you know, more censorship resistance. Like, a lot of the principles of the network are maybe even better served. But I wonder, like, is, I mean, NoStream is a, is a, you know, operates as a very large relay today. So presumably we'll have some amount of pull from the market to continue doing that. And I wonder if, like, the features that might be required for running more of a private, small-scale, or personal relay would they end up diverging from the needs of like a large scale type of implementation? And it seem, and is it true that NoStream would be more like the large scale version? Yeah, I think for the most part, NoStream has been targeting um, big servers and things that, yeah, uh, scaled up servers, I would say, mm -hmm. not so much a Raspberry Pi. However, we are going to be making strides to make it, um, it already runs on a Raspberry Pi. You need you need a beefy one, you need a, like a four, um, you need at least four gigabytes of memory to actually run it, and you need to tune mm -hmm. it up. Uh, but it r does run on a Raspberry Pi, and we are going to make more efforts to actually, maybe you just need to run a script that sets it up for a Raspberry Pi. And then once you set it up, you know, you're, you're golden. And that will make it easier for people, you know, that are not very technical to just like set it up that way. Um, but yeah, the idea is for having servers that actually scale and handle a lot of traffic and not so much on private uh, relays. Um, there are, Pretty good relays that you can use today to do this. Um, I think if you use Umbrel, you can run the Rust relay, uh, which also has like a super nice interface. I'm, I'm actually a little bit jealous. I want to run one of those relays <laughs> just to have that interface. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks nice. Yeah, yeah, it looks it, it looks gorgeous. Um, I I want to make sure that anyone, regardless of technical background, can run a relay. So eventually, we'll build all these tools. Um, we are actually making strides to make this happen. Anton has been working, and we're spilling all the beans, basically, on what's going on with Nostream. Yeah. But uh, Anton is working on making the settings dynamic. So one huge pain point that we've had is having, like, static files for settings. And then mm -hmm. when you change it, you don't, you don't really see... Uh, you don't know. You you may make a mistake on the file, and then your your uh, the relay doesn't spin up, or it spins up, but then you only get default settings because you couldn't read the file. Like there's a bunch of issues that you could have with uh, using um, static files 
on a machine. So um, he's turning that around and he's gonna make it so that the settings are living on the database. And that's a precursor to actually to, to get to what, where we wanna get, which is like an admin panel where you can you know tune your relay. And not just that, um, we wanna uh, give observability to Nostream so that you can see how it's doing. Um, one question that we get a lot as well is like, how do I see how many users are connected? How, how much traffic, how many events is it serving? Mm -hmm. And the, the, the reality right now is that we don't know we, because we haven't been measuring it. We've been more mm -hmm. focusing on offering the features than on, right. you know, offering visibility. Okay, so I, I actually have a few questions from the audience, but maybe maybe you don't have much detail on this, but there was one, because it, it's re relevant to that, but like uh, re the ratio of reads to writes, do you have any sense or visibility on that? I don't have exact numbers, and I, that changes depending on the time of day. Um, mm -hmm. But it's usually between 95% and 90% of reads versus writes. Mm -hmm. So it's mostly just reads and almost no writes, I would say. Right. And um, another one from kind of that same catalog of questions, uh, do you purge events ever, or do you have plans to purge events? I guess you are asking for the Eden relay in, in specific, or one of the uh, relays inside uh, within the family of relays within a Nostr.land. Um, yes. Spammers, those get purged. Um, right. I don't think we have any plans on purging right now. And if we do, it may be the day when we have a freemium model if we mm -hmm. ever get to that, I'm not sure. Um, that's something that we haven't really talked about. But if we do have a freemium model, then maybe we do open the relay for any user, but you're, we're only going to store your messages for I don't know how long we can store them for. Um, yeah. I, I think there might be like an opportunity to do long-term storage, maybe. But the other thing we're, we're definitely going to be purging in the near future is just the deleted and expired events. Right mm -hmm. now, we're just not re-emitting them. Those will definitely get purged at some point. So uh, there's that. Right. Well, I guess re related to that, um, the you know, I, I think the pricing model of 5,000 sats as a one-time and then sort of maybe in perpetuity service is probably not realistic, right? There's probably, it's a nice way to start, but it doesn't really accurately reflect all the costs you incur, right? So do you have sort of a hypothesis? Is it important? early to figure out pricing models that would work or are they like monthly subscriptions or or sort of usage based or how do you think about getting from where we are today to kind of what it should be and is it important to do that in the near term or can defer that for a while yeah so so i, I i've left hints on the code that we are going to be implementing um uh paying for publishing it's not that you will have to pay an invoice every time you publish. It's that the the relay will track your balance, basically, on how many posts you have left. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't necessarily mean that every paid relay is going to act this way. So what we're going to give relay operators is the option to turn that on or off. And just like they, they can turn on admission, they can turn on subscriptions, they can turn mm -hmm. on um, paper event, which are completely different things, uh, different ways of capturing revenue to make sure that the um, that you can basically cover the costs and also uh, make it profitable. Um, so uh, right now, those are the three things that I see. Um, obviously, you know, just admission fees won't cut it. It works now because we are riding the S curve, right? Like right. <laughs> <laughs> there's more users coming in. The, uh, they're basically covering our expenses for the, the next few months. It's right. hard to, you know, right now predict what's, what our cost is going to be. I mean, today we're going to be spinning up two more relays, um, but 
you know, maybe that doesn't even cut it. Um, so, so, so we'll we'll figure it out. But the the point is, we'll be able to capture uh, revenue by adding all these features, and then relay operators can tune them. And nobody knows today what the model that the people will want to um, follow is. Like maybe maybe they only want to pay for the the ones that only uh, uh, charge you for admission, mm-hmm. and then never pay for the ones that charge you a subscription. Right. Um, at the end of the day. I don't think any of them is like less valuable than the others. It's about finding the price that people are willing to pay and mm-hmm. eventually we'll get there. Right now it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, there are relays that are charging uh, 15,000 uh, sats. Some are charging 2,000. So nobody knows, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, I don't have any accountants that I'm working with to figure these numbers <laughs> out or <laughs> anything like it. So time will tell what's going to be the the model that works for relays at scale in this in a decentralized manner mhm yeah and do you think that the the relays as you've got all these different types of features and different types of models with how a relay operator may choose to operate and monetize um do you imagine that there's some sort of a standardized template for kind of let's say you know, a governance principles or operation principles that a relay would communicate to sort of establish to the market of potential clients, sort of how to think about, you know, their their role in the ecosystem. Yeah. So right now, Nostream is uh, publishing the fees that that it charges. So if you there's a NIP called NIP 11 Relay Information Document. Um, clients can already query this information from most relays and what it gives you back is the fee schedules that the relay has. So you can go in and see how much it charges for admission, how mm. much it charges for publication, or if it's there as a subscription as well. So all these fees will be listed in there, uh, along with all the options that you, know, that, uh, that you could have. Because maybe you want to pay a subscription, but you want to pay it yearly, and then you get a super good discount. Or maybe you pay by the month, or maybe you pay by the week. Or... Maybe you pay by post, and then you don't need to pay a subscription. You pay by use. So mm-hmm. may, maybe maybe that's the way that we go forward. Pay by use, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't. Maybe users don't want to be paying for something that they are not using. Um, but if if I if I prepay this relay, then I can use it for maybe fifty thousand messages, which is like a really long time of sending messages, right? Yeah. Um. So that's the idea. It's to give options to relay operators so that they can choose the the, the path that they want to take when they set up their business, I guess. Mm-hmm. And are you pretty hands-on when, you know, if, if a new relay operator comes and says, hey, I want to go do this, are you pretty hands-on kind of coaching them through that? Because you said you spend some of your time allocated toward getting new new relay operators. Is it important to get relay operators kind of well-equipped or do you find some other area in the ecosystem that's sort of in more, you know, more urgent need of, of kind of help or your, your attention? I think most of the time, uh, sorry, not most of the time, but most of the people coming in and, and wanting to run a relay are covered by the guides that are out there in the wild. Mm-hmm. And the guides that um, people like Andre from CBD have put out for Nostream. So mm-hmm. those cover Probably 90% of all the relays that are spinning up. I, I don't get that many questions anymore. So his guys are pretty good, <laughs> mm-hmm. I will say. But the, 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 the issue is when 
you want to run a relay, but you want to do something different than the guide, that's when people are coming into the uh, official uh, Telegram channel for Nostream and asking questions like, hey, how do I do this on CentOS? Or how do I run this on Kubernetes? Or, you know, they, they ask all sorts of questions. And uh, the reality is that um, we, we may not even know. Like, we want you to tell us, like, how you right. manage to run it over there and hopefully write a guide for anyone uh, going off the beaten path, I will say. Mm -hmm. Right. And and sort of as you think about the future of this, um, there's, you know, I think it's been nicely, let's say Noster has been nicely decoupled from Bitcoin Lightning, but also there's obvious kind of, I don't know if you want to call it gravity toward toward these converging in a way. And I wonder, like, do you do you feel like the, there's anything we could learn about the process for how that kind of convergence may work? Like, is is it important to keep, you know, the Bitcoin Lightning things separate from the protocol, or is it important to try to incorporate them, or should there be something in the definition of a relay that would be more incorporating of kind of Bitcoin or Lightning concepts? How, how do you sort of think about the the, the dance there? So we've only implemented Lightning solutions on Nostream. However, it is written in such a way that any unit of account can be used and any payment processor can be used. Um, there may be some places in the code that you know need to be tweaked to add a new currency. Um, we only thought it for BTC and, and SATs, which, which is not the unit of account, but it's mostly what uh, people use these days um, because we're dealing with like really small numbers of Bitcoin. Um, but Nostream could work with any currency, to be honest. It's not bound to Lightning. Um, I will say I don't really mind if the protocol includes like a uh, agnostic way of handling payments and then everyone mm -hmm. can use that. Um, I, I think that's the way going forward. I, I think relays have to stay flexible to whatever currency the, yeah. the relay operator wants to use. As the reality is it's nobody like uses great... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, it's a great onboarding tool for, like, people to start using Bitcoin because it's only Bitcoin right now. But but really, to Ricardo's point, like, we want to have the flexibility so that we can scale and grow and still orange pill people along the way, right? I think really for the longevity of, of the ecosystem, we need to figure out how to fund it so that so that it can keep up with the growth and probably like as much as I would prefer it to just remain Bitcoin only, I think like in terms of game theory, it would make sense to, to, to take other currency as well. And when you say other currency, do you mostly mean other cryptocurrencies or you mean dirty even... fiat? Oh, I mean, wow. yeah, <laughs> yeah, potentially oh. even fiat. I know. Oh, wow. <laughs> I guess you got to pay your bill somehow. <laughs> yeah, maybe we pay Yeah, I kind. think there's just, yeah, like there's friction, right, to like getting somebody to figure out, uh, uh, you know, public key infrastructure and like how to work that. And then also, oh, I don't have any Bitcoin. I can't pay for anything. Figure that out as well. Uh, right. Maybe just making that friction a, a little bit uh, easier. But, you know, again, I, I would I would love it if it was just, you know, lightning powered, that lightning shield protecting mm -hmm. Nostra and growing together, whether that would be amazing. Well, what is the reason? I mean, so, so much of the the Bitcoin ethos does seem to be overlapping with Nostra, but it sounds like you're saying you could see that Nostra should be kind of bigger or more agnostic long-term. 
maybe even short term so that we get to long term is that are they really different like very different in your mind or you just want to you just want to let everybody in and then people can figure out what they prefer after everybody's kind of you don't want to turn people off from the protocol or the the services yeah i think people should have choice and if you want mm -hmm. to use your money to bet on a horse i don't want to prevent you from doing that as long as people have freedom i'm happy with that you know i know what's i i know you know what the currency of the world is and what it will be in uh so I'll, i'm okay with that i think people eventually will figure it out um i i just want people to have choice and at the yeah. end of the day you know if you if you care about freedom um you wanna you want to also allow this for other people you don't want to control them and say oh no you must use bitcoin people should use bitcoin because they believe in it and they understand it not because somebody told them to so they have to do their own work and actually figure that out and if it takes them a year if it takes them you know their whole lifetime that's fine very reasonable perspective <laughs> i uh I, I i like that actually I, I wish i wish there were more people who would just recognize really it's about freedom and like people can you know discover their freedom in different ways and discover when they're actually captured by something versus when they're actually experiencing you know the freedom that you might you know if you've done the work you might come to that conclusion but but the the fact that you're an advocate of the freedom despite people not always agreeing with your version of freedom is a is actually almost like a higher principle than just you have to use mine right yeah for sure i think if you care about freedom then you want people to have choice if you constrain their choice you're not giving them freedom it just doesn't like you can't say one thing and do the other right i wonder is there anything else kind of in closing that uh that we haven't covered that you think is an important topic that uh you're playing with in your mind or something that that is uh you know you've been tumbling around and you sort of would like to solicit people's input or feedback on not sure i, I will like ask people to check out our relay and maybe join um it's not really that expensive and you're also not only you're paying for the relay you're going to be using so it's value for value you're getting value mm -hmm. out of the relay you're you're we are getting value out of that um relationship as well um, but also you're funding the not the development of Nostream. So we are using these funds to also um, help us develop more features and uh, use them as like kind of like bounties, right? Yeah. So it's just giving us the right incentives to actually continue this. And I think we'll all benefit more at the end. So uh, think about those uh, 5,000 Satoshis that we're charging on, on Eden, for example, or mm -hmm. uh, 10,000 on Pura Vida. Um, think about them as your way of saying, you know, I want more of this, right? Because mm -hmm. that's what we're doing. We're we're seeing your signal and uh, we're playing with it and uh, continuing it. And all the stats go back into we reinvested into the infrastructure. Like, you know, if we got a bunch of donations now, we'd probably just spin up more relays right away. <laughs> so. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. That's what awesome. I want to see. A circular economy, Bitcoin only, it stays in it. I would love it if we find uh, a provider that we can just like use Bitcoin. Um, I've seen people using Hetzner, Hertz, I can't pronounce it, but um, I think they take Bitcoin. I'm not 100% sure. I just haven't heard good experiences from relay operators running their relays over there just because they, they keep getting uh, killed by the kernel. I don't know exactly, um, but so far DigitalOcean has been good to us and we may continue using that or we may change. Um, 
But yeah, just wanna leave people with something, right? Um, if you believe in something, um, you don't necessarily need to be a builder to continue making it grow. Um, you can talk to friends, you can talk to family, you can show them how it is, you can set them up with a lightning wallet. You can take the steps to get more people involved and more people in the space, and that will help everyone. Um, you don't need to be a coder to actually uh, take part of the fun. You can take pride in that you help the network grow, and you'll benefit from it directly, obviously. Do it for the fun and, and for the learning, right? Well, thanks so much uh, for this, and let's uh, let's do another one soon. And you know, as we keep learning, getting the relay ecosystem out, let's let's keep sharing the lessons and the learnings and all the questions because I think there's a lot uh, fast-moving space, and you guys are right at the center of it. Yeah, no story for no stories for everyone.